0: Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain.
1: Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of Funk Radio. This is your DJ slash host Kyle.
0: And this is your DJ slash host Peter. Yay. Yay. Today on Funk Radio, we want to talk about some examples of contemporary artists who have done their own kind of renditions of funk and soul songs that we usually talk about on the show. It's kind of cool because, you know, funk and soul, obviously, a generally 70s, 60s and 70s thing. I wouldn't wouldn't say that the genres are dead. I mean, completely anyway, because you have these artists today... You know several decades later that are making covers of these songs and they sound actually really good
1: yeah there's a surprising amount of contemporary bands we found that are doing covers or have done covers of r b and soul and funk things which is kind of cool because it shows both their appreciation for the genre and also helps to keep them alive as mr peter was saying
0: i mean obviously we're not going to talk about all the covers that there are in existence because we would die <laughs> Yes, also, I mean, we just want to kind of highlight some of our favorite ones that we know of within the last five years or so.
1: What do we got first, Mr. Peter?
0: Well, let's kick off our little show today by talking about a song called Lowdown. Now, that was originally by a guy named Boz Skaggs, and I think he was actually pretty popular back in the day. He recorded Lowdown in 1976, and it actually became one of his most famous songs by accident. So he recorded this song in 76... For his album called Silk Degrees. And what they would do back then is that they would basically just, when they made the album, they would just send it out to all these radio stations. And then the radio stations would choose songs to play from the album. And obviously, there are songs, when you make an album, I think there are one, there's at least a couple songs that you kind of really put a lot of work into and working it into a sort of formula that you know will probably become pretty popular. But the interesting thing is that Lowdown, they did not expect this to become popular at all. Interestingly enough, all the radio DJs around the country started playing this, and then it became really popular and became one of his most popular songs. And it was his first hit, and it is actually certified gold, meaning I think that's a million copies, right?
1: I thought gold was like 500,000.
0: Oh, you might be right,
1: actually. Platinum is a million.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right, actually. Gold record is uh, 500,000.
1: Yay, I'm smart. That's cool. Yay.
0: Interesting. So I'm reading here that... The original requirement for it to become gold status was actually one million, but in 1975 they changed the requir- requirement to 500,000.
1: Is it because they discovered platinum in
0: 1975? <laughs> well, platinum was instituted in '76, oh. um, the same year that the song came out. So right before the song came out, they switched that. They
1: switched down the the requirement. See, see pretty pretty soon they're gonna run out of like minerals to make super albums out of. <laughs> so they're going to have to have, like, unobtainium albums or <laughs> adamantium or something. Well,
0: I mean, not necessarily, because it's not like records or, or albums are selling That's true. so many yeah. more now. I mean, it's gotten really that's bad, a, That's
1: a good point. What are they... What's, like, the definition? Because, I mean, no one buys albums anymore, so obviously they do it based on song downloads or mm-hmm. whatever. How are they going to quantify that? Is Are they going to give them, like, a golden like mp3 file i don't even know here's a golden usb drive
0: yeah that's actually a good point i mean i don't even know if they offer these things anymore i could oh. obviously read about it but uh not during the show <laughs> <laughs> you listeners can go read up about that it's actually sort of interesting kind i of. guess depending on what you like to read about
1: i like math and minerals <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway uh let's go ahead and listen to the original version of lowdown by boss Gags. Better get on back to town. A okay, so that was the original version of Lowdown. The, the cover I want to talk about was actually done in 2006 by the acid jazz group Incognito. And they've got a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I think they've been going probably since the late 80s or 90s or so. They're more of like a modern jazz slash R&B group, I guess, but they're really cool. And uh, so they cover, they did a cover of this song, which is actually really good. Let's go ahead and listen to the Incognito cover of "Lowdown." So the thing I really love about this version is that it's a, it's a bit more upbeat and it's a little bit more refined than the original. Um, it just has a much cleaner sound, and it's, and it's really fun. The cover actually has two guest performers um, on the track. One of them is Italian singer Mario Biondi, who I don't really know. I couldn't really <laughs> talk about him. But also Shaka Khan, who is considered the, the queen of funk, basically. So uh, yeah. she is she a guest singing part on the song, and she sounds really good. So yeah, that's that, I really like that cover. I think I actually would say that I like it better than the original. I guess it's it's kind of got an unfair advantage in a way when you think about it because cause I was saying I, I kind of like it because it's a little bit more upbeat and it's it's more clean and everything. I guess that's something you get with the contemporary music. I mean, that's, that just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. So, I mean, in that way, that's kind of an unfair advantage for Incognito. But I think kind of just the way they handled it in general, it was a little bit more lively, more fun. So, I mean, I guess they have that. But I, I really do like that version of it. It's pretty cool.
1: Another song that I wanted to talk about that is a really good song uh, example of like original versus cover is the song Never Gonna Give You Up. It was originally recorded by Jerry Butler, who was an American soul singer and songwriter in the 60s and 70s. He's actually also noted as being the original lead singer of the famed R&B vocal group The Impressions, but I think he left them back in like 62 or something. Mm-hmm. Actually, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1991. And because... He's still alive. Um, Wow! He's actually also went into politics after being a famous R&B singer, and he currently serves as the commissioner. He serves as Commissioner Gordon for Cook County, Illinois. First, having been elected in
0: 1985. Commissioner. So he's. So does Batman live in Cook County, Illinois? Then.
1: Well, fun fact: the uh, the two the first most of the first two films were filmed in Chicago. So technically. Uh. Because he was the commissioner, Commissioner Gordon was quite obviously based off of him.
0: <laughs> well, that's especially evident when when he bursts into into soul song in the movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Cook County myself. Mm. Had I known that he was my commissioner for my county, I probably could have gotten into funk and soul a lot earlier in life.
0: You could have like hung out with him,
1: yo, Mister Butler. Let's go, let's go jam, let's go, go throw jam, down, let's go jammed, throw down some tracks. Uh, anyways, that. that's pretty cool his song Never Gonna Give You Up is actually a 1968 single went pretty high in the charts good stuff mm-hmm. let's listen to his original version so you guys can hear what it sounds like That Was Never Gonna Give You Up by Jerry Butler. Kind of has that early to mid-60s falsetto kind of sound that was really popular back then. Kind of like similar to that doo wop sound we discussed in earlier episodes. Right. Very good song. So now let's move on to the cover that was done of the song by the Black Keys. I'm sure many of your listeners know who the Black Keys are. They are, if you don't, they are a famous sort of psychedelic blues rock group from ohio that has suddenly exploded in popularity despite being around for probably the last 10 years mm-hmm.
0: and yeah, this actually
1: this cover came off their 2010 album brothers which was really the first album that kind of put them on the national map even though this that was like i think their fifth album mm-hmm. i mean they added their own sound to the song i actually saw them in concert probably about a month ago a little over a month ago mm-hmm. it's funny when they performed this particular song they had a gigantic probably 10-foot-diameter disco ball hanging above the concert stage. That's awesome. So yeah, let's listen to a little clip of their version so you can see the difference. was the never gonna give you Up" cover by the black keys definitely a little bit different sound than the original by jerry butler but you can also see the similarities between the two
0: i think i think they sound pretty similar
1: yeah i like the black keys version better probably because i'm biased because i like the black keys a lot (laughs) when i was going through the songs off their 2010 album when it first came out i noticed that this particular song sounded a bit different from most of the other stuff on their album (laughs) i thought it was either a it's a cover or b they're just weird (laughs)
0: um Maybe a little bit of
1: both. So I did a little bit of research and found out there was a cover. Because I want to say I heard that song before, but I didn't know where. Mm. So in the back of my head, I kind of knew, okay, someone else sang the song before they did. Right. And I found out it was Jerry Butler.
0: That's cool. I mean, have they done any other, like, soul R&B type covers or no?
1: They had a few songs that are that kind of were softer and had that sort of ballady sound. It's kind of a first for them.
0: That's cool. So actually another song that I chose for today that actually kind of ties in with what you were talking about with Jerry Butler is um, a song called It's All Right. And that was originally done by The Impressions in 1963. It was written by Curtis Mayfield, who you may have heard of before. He's really one of the founding artists in early funk and soul.
1: Yeah, he did all the music for that black exploitation film Superfly, and the yeah. album ended up way out selling the movie. Yeah, which is pretty funny. Which is pretty amazing. It's yeah, a, it's a good soundtrack. I mean, yeah, remember me? He, me and you sat down and watched it because you had to watch it for some class, and I yeah, was I had just, to write
0: a paper on it. God,
1: this movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It was all right. But the reason that this ties in is that Jerry Butler, who we talked about before, was actually, was he the main, the main singer of He was the
1: main singer of the band until about 62 when he split because of creative differences. Yeah. Anyway, so the song It's All
0: Right by The Impressions, um, it was one of two top 10 singles by the group that hit the Billboard Hot 100, which is pretty cool. And it's personally my favorite song by them. Um, let's go ahead and listen to the original version of It's All Right.
1: So it's
0: the original all right. version of It's Alright, it's it's kind of slow, but it's also, I don't know why I like it so much. I mean, like, what do you think, Kyle? I mean, I think I I really love this song for some reason.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot. It's It's got that similar temptation-y type sound that I definitely dig, and it's a very famous song, so.
0: Yeah. So, in 2008, we have a cover version of this song by the, I guess he's, what is he, an R&B? Yeah. Artist, um, yeah. Seal. He did an, an album in 2008, like I said, and the album's just called Soul. The whole album is just covers of, of old soul and funk music. Some of the artists include Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, Al Green, and obviously The Impressions. So there's are a lot of actually really good songs on there, and really good versions of some of these old classics that we all know and love. So, Seal kind of became popular in the 90s. He's pretty cool. I tried to, I actually, I sort of got into
1: him maybe a year ago,
0: but I think he, in the end, his style was a little bit too soft for me, almost.
1: Yeah, he's like the Teddy Pendergrass of the 90s, a lot of slow stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, that's it's probably a pretty good description, but actually, <laughs> speaking of Batman, so this is another tie-in. His, oh, yeah. His song, Kiss from a Rose, which is probably his most famous song. It's a good song, too. That was actually used in the Batman Forever soundtrack, which is kind of interesting, I guess. Do,
1: do any of your listeners remember that movie? Because it's hard to remember a time before the Dark Knight trilogy. But Batman didn't used to always be this awesome. Batman Forever, that was part of the Tim Burton Batman, right? Let's let's go ahead and listen to the cover version. <laughs> oh, let's go ahead and listen wait. to Batman Forever.
0: No. Okay, we're going gonna... to... We really like Batman if you guys can't tell. So let's listen to the cover version of It's All Right by See You, Donna
1: 2008.
0: This version really kind of captures
1: the essence of the original.
0: Uh, it's it's kind of a good mix of of the old style and new, so it's it's pretty cool.
1: So Peter, does the song have your seal of approval?
0: I suppose so. I love it as much as a baby seal.
1: Peter, do you like to call baby seals?
0: No. Didn't we talk once about how seals should open up a club
1: called Club Seal? Remember we were in Vegas visiting Dan, and it was on TV. It like he had just broken up with her face?
0: I had never heard of Seal before at that time.
1: Yeah, like he broke up with like, I don't know, but some famous person, didn't lady. Didn't deserve him. Yeah, and it was, it was somehow all over the news because people care about that, that kind of stuff. And it reminded me that Seal existed. And then we somehow came up with the idea that Seal, because of his newfound singleness, should use his money to open up a club called Club Seal
0: so he can meet women at his own club
1: his club should be in like alaska (laughs) i guess so the next song that i wanted to talk about before we talked about clubbing baby seals is the song express yourself um originally done by charles wright i like this song he had like a band called charles wright and the watts 103rd street rhythm band that is a long name they were a pioneering american soul and funk band formed in the early 60s they had nine singles actually reached the billboard pop and or r&b hot 100 hits that's pretty darn impressive
0: nine of them that's pretty cool
1: yeah especially for being popular for only what six years yeah 67 73 six years Hmm. they had such famous songs as do your thing till you get enough and love land that's cool let's listen to the original version of express yourself by charles
0: You do. Uh. I want to say that, like, this is one of those songs I really like, but I really easily forget it for some reason. It's one of those songs you keep rediscovering.
1: I I heard the song, like, a year ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this song. Why did I never think of this song? And I realized it's because I had no idea who wrote it or who sang oh. it. I mean, despite the fact that they have, you know, these famous songs, uh, they, I don't know, they just didn't do a very good job of, like, branding themselves as a band, because... Despite knowing all of these songs, I had no idea who they were.
0: Are you familiar with any of their other songs or like by Charles Wright?
1: Not really, no. I mean, no. So obviously, yeah, the fact that they had all these hits, and the fact that even this, their most famous hit Express Yourself, I kind of forgot, or didn't really know who wrote it, I just knew of the song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were just one of the bands that didn't stand the test of time and popularity, but it's kind of sad that they had all these hits and yet I haven't heard many and or kind of forgot that they existed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's too bad. I mean, I I feel kind of bad in a way because, like, you know, it's a good song. I really enjoy it, but I keep forgetting about it. But it's it's cool. I like it.
1: Okay, so yeah, you guys heard the original version of Express Yourself by Charles Wright. Let's now discuss the cover version by the artist Labyrinth. He is actually an English singer, songwriter, and record producer, signed on to the label Psycho, which is Simon Cowell, the, the stupid dude from... Oh. It's really? his record label. I didn't know yes. he had a record label. Yes. Basically what he does, all those talent shows where people sing, basically anyone that like makes it to the top echelons of those shows... Oh, they get then, signed onto that. They way. get signed onto his label. Uh. He's a judge on these shows, and then so he gets paid to do that, and then the people from these shows that become popular, he then makes more money off of them because he signed them <laughs> onto his record label.
0: I mean, I've never really been into
1: American Idol or anything, so... Neither have I.
0: I didn't know that's actually... Now that was all set up. That's interesting.
1: Okay, anyways. He is actually one of the... Probably the only good artists signed by Mr. Cowell. Mm. And the funny thing was, actually, I heard this song on a Windows 8 commercial.
0: Yeah, actually, I think I saw it because, like, I forgot that I... Again, I forgot about the song.
1: Yeah, right?
0: I think I've seen it. I think maybe I saw it on YouTube. It's the one with the little
1: girl playing with a tablet and she's drawing stuff. And then she's like printing out all her drawings. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's Uh, go
0: ahead and listen to that cover,
1: should we? Yeah, let's listen to the cover of Express Yourself by Labyrinth. Express Yourself. Express Yourself. He's definitely got his own sound to it. And he, I think even some of the verses are just his own writings, and then I think he mm. took the chorus. It's, but um, it's got
0: a bigger sound. I would yeah,
1: yeah. You guys should go and look up the video for it, actually, because it's kind of cool. Mm. Good song, good artist. Hopefully, he'll go places and also escape the clutches of Simon Cowell. <laughs> uh, I just imagine Simon Cowell is like a giant hawk that like just snatches people from the ground and, like, takes them to, like, his recording nest.
0: <laughs> I mean, do you want to get into a tech talk about Windows 8? I don't know.
1: Well, no, the only thing I wanted to mention was, what is with all these commercials and things showing children using tablets? I'm sorry, if I bought a tablet that's, like, $300 or $500, I'm not going to let any child, even my own, touch it. Yeah, I don't know what the mentality is. I will buy them, like, a leapfrog or
0: <laughs> something. Yeah, I mean, that makes that makes more sense. I mean, like, Twenty years down the road, when these iPad things cost like twenty dollars, yeah, then maybe I'll get one from one of my kids. But not now, when they're several hundred dollars. I don't, I don't understand that. They, they even
1: make like proof cases for iPads that are like you can like throw them off like a five-story roof. But the point <laughs> is, it's not a technology thing that's supposed to be meant to be used by children.
0: You know, if it, if it helps your kid learn stuff, you know, that, that's fine.
1: That's what um, blocks are for. <laughs> I'm a good parent. Back in my day, we had blocks. Back in my day, we had like a stick and a spool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think we're that old. It's just, if okay, if you want to get it for your kid, you know, that's fine. If three to $500 or more is an object to you, then I would not recommend giving those things to your children. Yeah. Because they're not really going to appreciate it, and they're probably going to break it.
1: Yeah, really. So, yeah. I've actually been
0: using <laughs> Windows 8 for, I guess, almost a month now. How do you like it? Pretty much the only thing that's really annoying is that with, I don't have a start menu. Because imagine if you know Windows Seven, it's basically Windows Seven without a start menu and some other very minor changes. That's basically. I mean, it, it functions fine. I don't have any. I haven't had any problems so far with it working with compatibility or anything, which
1: is nice. Yeah, because I know a lot of people were like railing against it, but if that's really the only thing they were railing about, then I,
0: I, I obviously haven't done everything. So I mean, I'm sure there are, maybe are some compatibility issues and stuff like that. Maybe some security breaches and stuff like that but yeah, I, I haven't I haven't experienced anything so far.
1: Cuz yeah, it seems like Microsoft always has like a pattern of like good operating system, bad operating system.
0: Cuz 7, I know 7 has been really good. 7 was uh, good.
1: Stable. Vista sucked. XP was good. 98 sucked. <laughs> 5 was good. And yeah. so on and so forth. Bob, remember Bob? Bob sucked.
0: <laughs> I don't Really remember anything past ninety five or so?
1: Bob was like, I was actually reading about this today a little bit. Bob was an operating system used back. It was they were basically trying to compete with Apple in having a very tactile, visual operating system. Was that the one where like it's supposed to look like an office? It's exactly yes. Wow. It was supposed to look like an office, and that is actually where the font Comic Sans originated. Oh really? They <laughs> developed it for use in Microsoft Bob. It's that old, really? And, yes. Cool. Fun fact: the reason that they used that per- particular font is because back when computers had, like, horrifyingly bad pixel resolutions, Comic Sans looked a lot cleaner Mm. in low resolution than, say, something like Times New Roman Uh or whatever. So it was meant to be used with that low pixel resolution thing because it was a lot crisper. Well, you know why? Because it's pretty... it's kind of thick compared to, like... Exactly. It's thick. It's kind of... So when you scale it down,
0: it's got more width to it, I guess.
1: Exactly. But then, once pixel resolution evolved... The font stuck around and was then used by every church group and grandma and bake sale. <laughs> <laughs> that and papyrus, man. Oh, God. Pap- well, papyrus is used by, like, crappy restaurants that think, like, oh... Like
0: family-owned businesses. Yeah, I,
1: I saw more than a few restaurant menus that used papyrus because they thought they were, like, you know, tropical or something. God I knows. still
0: see it to this day. It's ridiculous. It's, like, oh. it's been overused for years. I still see it.
1: We, yes, we as digital and visual artists have certain feelings for and against fonts and... That's the, oh, it's cool thing about Windows 8. Um, on tablets, they have a system now where you can have a picture be like your lock screen, and you can program certain tactile functions into the picture, like making circles or lines. And then by programming that function in, that's how you unlock your tablet. If you have like I don't know a picture with like some balloons on it, you could draw like you know three circles around some of the balloons, and then the system will remember that tactile function.
0: Oh, wait, so which. Then, which?
1: thing is using this it's it's on the the tablets for windows 8 the ones that are all touch oh really yeah because cool. you know windows 8 is supposed to be like cross-platform for all the tablets and PCs. yeah
0: well which is one reason why the, stuff doesn't really work some well. of the stuff in 8 is a little it's not really intuitive the way it has been before but i will say although i mean like design wise i actually think they did a really good job with windows 8 i mean like the general desktop and everything looks pretty similar I heard they, although it's I heard, a little bit simplified so I kind of like that
1: I was gonna say I heard they went back to like the more the crisp solid colors for their windows right yeah they of, do and
0: track. actually I actually
1: like that it's nice yeah it gives them a more solid sort of like minimalistic feel yeah not necessarily going back to like 95 look but it, <laughs> it looks yeah, yeah it Apple. looks more solid and not like floaty and and I, I think a lot of that has to do with both the advent of touchscreens and sort of apple's <laughs> minimalistic approach mm and Microsoft kind of following suit a little bit with that. Because, you know, if you're touching a lot of stuff, you don't want all the things you're touching to like look transparent. You right. want them to feel solid, like you're actually moving them around and stuff.
0: Right. We've been talking about
1: technology for about 10 minutes now. I think we should start calling our show Funkin' Tech.
0: <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about our last song then. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get back on topic here. The song is called Hang On In There, and it was originally done by a guy named Mike James Kirkland, yeah, he recorded this song in 1972, and this was from his album, also called Hang On In There. And I guess from what little I could I could find about him, about who he was, that was actually one of two albums that he did. So he was not around for that long, but it's, it's actually kind of a shame because I, I, like, I like the way he sounds in this song. And it kind of has a very similar sound to pretty much everyone else who was popular during that time. But I found it interesting that he actually began his career as a duop and gospel singer and a songwriter as well. Which is kind of what happened He, I think, his friend or his brother or Somebody, they, they ended up starting up a, a record label together so that they could Produce these songs that Mike James Kirkland wrote, which is pretty cool But um, let's go ahead and listen to the original version Of Hang On In There, there no time
1: No time for sorrow And we ain't got time so that's
0: the original version it's kind of uh, it's it's actually pretty long I think it's almost it's like eight or nine minutes song which is pretty long for that time it, it's 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 definitely a socially conscious song but th- I think the point is you know things aren't that great but you know hang on in there it'll be okay anyway so the cover version of this song was done by John Legend and the roots and this was done on their 2010 album wake up this is actually a collaboration between the two artists. I think this is the only album that they've done together.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: So this this album, uh, Wake Up, features a lot of other cover songs uh, by soul artists from the '60s and '70s. So, and but it also kind of combines it with hip hop because that's kind of what the roots are. They're, they're a hip hop group, and John Legend is more of yes, art, more of a modern soul singer, basically. Um, so you kind of get a mix of those two styles, which is pretty cool. I want to mention that the song won the best R&B vocal performance at the 2011 Grammys. Well, so that's, that's, that's a pretty cool achievement. I mean, especially now, I mean, to get something cool like this, and a, and a cover no less, you know, winning the Grammys like that, that's it, pretty cool. Um, let's listen to the cover version of Hang On In There by John Legend and The Roots.
1: Oh, I said hang on Hang on in there How Many times did you hear your mom and daddy say, oh, child, i never
0: had it so good i heard this version from their album and i thought this was an original song i guess i didn't really thought about this being a cover until i was doing research for this episode and realized oh this is actually a cover that they did which is pretty cool and i actually i really like the original version too now that i know about it so this is a situation where you know I, and you'll know the original. the i know the cover and then i learn about the the original later and that's
1: as we were talking at the beginning of the episode kind of tying it back that's part of the way that some of these artists are keeping r&b and soul and funk and disco alive is they're doing these covers of songs that sometimes people even familiar with the genres don't know are covers Mm -hmm. and then through whatever means you find out that they are you go back you research the original artist you gain a little bit more appreciation of the genre and then it helps keep these older sort of genres alive in people's hearts and souls
0: yeah i I wouldn't i would like because i mean you could someone could argue oh you know if they're doing covers uh, you know aren't you worried that like uh you know people will think this is original by them and they won't be able to appreciate the original version because they won't bother to look it up and realize that someone else had done it before i don't think so honestly yeah. i mean even if you don't know who the original artist was even if you completely never know that it was a cover by someone else. I mean, if as long as you're appreciating it for what it is now, I mean, it's it's staying alive in that way. Because in a in in a in the big sense, you can't really expect people to love these genres like they did, you know, several decades ago. So I mean, I would say any way that we can kind of get it through to, to kind of the general population and in ways that become popular, you know, I, I'm all for it.
1: I agree. This has been your host slash DJ slash Forgetful person, Kyle. What's my name again?
0: And this has been Peter. We hope you've enjoyed Funk Radio. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and like us on Facebook.
1: Bye. Bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8 com.